Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Zealand Teaching Podcast. We are a local church in Zealand, Michigan, and we desire to know Christ and to make Him known. We invite you into the same journey with us now as we open the scriptures and as we ask God to teach us and reveal Himself to us in His Word. Thanks for stopping by. Hey, since we are talking about prayer this morning, I think it is only fitting that we start our morning with prayer. So uh, if you guys would bow uh, your heads and pray with me. Lord, we thank you that you are good. We thank you that you are faithful. Um, in so many ways, God, we uh, try to pursue our own plans, our own ideas, um, our own way of thinking, God. But I pray this morning as we dive into Scripture, God, we would just recognize how much you care about us, um, how much you love us, God, that the plans you have for us are far better than anything that we can imagine. Um, that in, in your perfect plan, your will for our lives was to be in a relationship with us. Um, that you desired for us to be in communication with you, in fellowship with you, in community with you, so much so that you sent your son Jesus to make that happen. So I pray this morning as we dive into your scripture that, uh, that your words would come out of my mouth and not my own. Um, that you would soften our hearts and our ears to what you have to teach us, God, and that we would walk away changed because of your truth. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Alrighty, so we are in uh, walk, our walk the Walk series. We are in part three, uh, and we are looking at one verse, two words. And so as we were thinking about this sermon, as we were praying about it over the, the last months and, and, and weeks, we started asking this question, why, why walk the walk? Why, why is that important? Because you guys have heard the phrases, you've heard it, yeah, well, you can talk the talk or you can walk the walk. And talking the talk ultimately is, is knowing the right things to say, sounding like what you know, what you're, what you're talking about. Um, I, I'm, no, uh, I'm no car expert or anything like that, but if I'm around other people, I at least want to sound like I am because it makes me look better, right? There's certain areas in our life where we can know to say the right things, uh, but when you, when you press or when you look deeper, you peel back the layers, maybe, maybe you don't know as much as you sound like you know. And then there's the walk the walk. That's the, the living out of what you know to be true. Walking the walk means that you know what you're saying and you're at the life that you live, the actions that you take, the decisions that you make give evidence for that. And so we started thinking about this, these verses in 1 Thessalonians uh, and saying if, if we were to be people of faith, if we were to be people who believed what we said we believed and wanted to, to let other people know that, that our lives should look like that that our lives should show evidence of that belief, of that faith in all that we do. And so I think Paul understood that pretty well. When we look at the verses here in a little bit, I think we're going to see that Paul really got this idea that, listen, it is not just about saying the right things. It's about doing the right things. It's about your life reflecting the things that you believe. So if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, um, this should matter to you. Because there's so many uh, areas of our life that, uh, that matter, that the decisions we make, the things that we do, reflect what we believe. One of the things that I constantly tell our students in student ministry, uh, I'm not going to call you out on it and make you say it, but no matter what we're doing in life, no matter what you do, you're either pointing people towards Jesus or away from Jesus. The things that you say, the actions that you take, the way that you respond to situations, no matter what, you're either pointing people towards Jesus or away from Jesus. And if what we say we believe doesn't match up with the way that we live our lives, chances are we are not pointing people towards Jesus. 
And if you're not a follower of Jesus in the room this morning, this might be the very reason that you struggle with, with wanting to take that next step of faith. This might be the very reason where you don't like the church. The very reason, maybe after a long time of, of not going to church, like, all right, I'll give it a shot. But maybe the very reason is because people say one thing, say they believe one thing, but do another. And so my hope this morning is when we dive into Scripture, we see the picture of what, how God intended our lives to look when it comes to our faith, specifically when it comes to our prayer life. Because walking the walk of faith calls us to action, calls believers to action, that when we as followers of Jesus are in the circles of influence that God has placed us in, those people should see our faith in action. Those people should see the things that we believe lived out overflowing in us. And like I said, I believe that Paul uh, believed this wholeheartedly. I believe that Paul was all about letting your life reflect the things that you believe. And when it comes to, uh, to, to the verses that we're looking at, in chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians, Paul expresses his thankfulness for the example the Thessalonians believers were setting, that despite severe persecution they were facing, and it was strong, strong their faith was strong and evident. It says in verses 8 through 10 of, of uh, chapter 1, it says, For the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place that your faith and God has gone out. Therefore, we do not need to say anything, for they themselves report what kind of reception we had from you, how you turned from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Paul was expressing his thankfulness because the people he came into contact with spoke of the way that the Thessalonians lived their life. Their faith was evident, so much so that people were talking about it. The church at Thessaloniki walked the walk of faith. And so last week we talked about rejoicing always, and uh, one of the things that stuck with me, maybe it stuck with you, is that rejoicing is serious business, which is kind of a funny thing to say. But that despite our circumstances that we can find ourselves in, we can rejoice because we have a trustworthy God that is bigger than our circumstances. And so this week, we're going to talk about prayer. Um, How Paul, in his letter to the Thessalonians, is calling us to pray. So I'm going to ask you, if you wouldn't mind standing with me as we read Scripture. And I'm going to... uh, we're going to continue to work on our, our scripture memory here. If you were last week, you guys got it at the end of the service. I'm going, to, I'm going to test you to see if we get it. All right, we're going to start in verse 16. All righty, if you got your Bible with you, you want to say it with me? Rejoice always, pray constantly. Oh, we're, going, we're going with me, guys. You guys are, I'm not, I'm not giving it to you first. We're testing it right now. Let's try again. All righty? Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Good job. Thank you. You guys can have a seat. All righty. So this morning we're spending our time in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. And as we've seen in the past couple weeks, the Thessalonian believers, um, despite severe persecution, were thriving in their faith. In a culture where countless gods, you know, the, the, the polytheists, where multiple gods were being worshipped, where moral behavior was, was not to be seen, wasn't important, the people of Thessal- the, the church of, Thessal- of the, excuse me, the Thessalonian church, uh, when they heard the good news of, of Jesus from Paul, 
They decided that their, their lives changed. They decided that they would walk the walk of faith, that their actions would display that they, the things that they believed, that no matter what, they would be bold in their faith. And it says, with the power of the Spirit, they, their lives were changed. In his letter to the Thessalonians, Paul encouraged them to continue in their boldness by staying connected to the very place where the source of their boldness comes from, God. And I think he did it in calling them to do that in three ways, to rejoice always, to pray constantly, and give thanks in everything. And I believe that Paul believed this to be true, that praying constantly was not just something that was sounded good. It's not just something that was a good practice, but it was a wholehearted necessity. If you look at some of the other letters that Paul wrote, uh, well, one, going back to uh, chapter one of verse two, it says, we always thank God for all of you, making mention of you constantly in our prayers. 1 Thessalonians 1.13, this is why we constantly thank God, because when you received the word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as a human message, but as it truly is, the word of God, which also works effectively in you who believe. In his letter to the Philippians, chapter 1, verse 3, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. In Ephesians, this is why since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I never stop giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. In his letter to the Corinthians, I always thank my God for you because of the grace of God given to you in Christ Jesus. So in his, in his conclusion of his letter to the Thessalonians, He's calling to something that that is not just an idea. It's a necessity. It's a way of life. It's a dedication. It's a habit. It's a a method of saying, listen, there's there's more to it than just knowing the right things to say. There is more to it just than hearing the right things, but we have to live it out. In order to do that, prayer is important. Pray constantly. And no, prayer is not a new topic for us, right? Prayer is not something you have never heard about. I'm not telling you some crazy new idea. Prayer is something that is a part of the life of a believer. But a lot of us, myself included, in times of our life have struggled with prayer, have we not? That sometimes we don't know what to pray. Sometimes you can get a room of people maybe you're not super comfortable with, and you're not comfortable praying with other people. You don't know what to say. Maybe you don't know if God hears your prayers, but sometimes prayer can be a struggle. Maybe God hasn't answered your prayer yet. Maybe you feel like God hasn't even heard your prayer, but prayer is a part of our lives. And so this, this past week on, on Tuesday mornings, uh, I lead a Bible study with, with students at Zealand West High School. Um, a couple of other youth pastors in the area, we, got, we partnered together and lead that Bible study. And uh, while we had a snow day this past week, what we were going to talk about was prayer. They were going to get a prequel to my message today. Uh, well, one of the things we did before uh, is we have a group chat, and one of the things we can do in this group chat is we can post a poll. We can ask questions, and there are an anonymous question about whatever it might be. And so preparing for our Tuesday morning Bible study, I sent a poll to them on Monday, and I said, can you describe your prayer life to me? And I gave them a few options. I said, one was, hey, it's really good. I feel really connected to God. Number two is I, I really only pray when I, I feel like I need something from God, or maybe, maybe life is hard. Or number three was, you know, I, I struggle with prayer, and I often forget. I, I forget to make it a priority in my life. And number four was, I just don't see the need to pray. 
And these, a lot of these students who come to this Bible study are followers of Jesus. And they understand that prayer is important, and they understand that prayer matters, but most of those anonymous answers that we got from them was that prayer was either hard to remember to do, or they really only prayed when they needed something from God or when, when life wasn't going as planned. And I started thinking about that, and I said, I would imagine that many of the people sitting in the room here this morning would probably have had a season of life where that was like theirs, that they would, they would relate to that, that prayer is just not something that is easy to do. While we believe it to be powerful, we see it in Scripture, and we, and we know that, that God calls us to prayer, and Jesus is teaching on it, I and mean, we even did a whole series on it not that long ago about prayer, but sometimes it can be difficult. And so what I hope to do this morning is really just in a practical way, say why should we pray constantly, and what does that actually look like? So let's start with the what. What does it mean to pray constantly? And if you're a note taker in the room, this would be a good one to write down. What does it mean to pray constantly? One, we have a spirit of dependence on God in all that we do. We have a spirit of dependence on God in all that we do. A great uh, quote that as I was studying for this from John Piper says, even when we are not speaking consciously to God, there is a deep abiding dependence on him that is woven in the heart of faith. In that sense, we pray or have the spirit of prayer continuously. And as we saw that in, the, in Paul's uh, letters to the different churches that he spent time with, that, that prayer should be our first response. That no matter what we're facing, no matter what is going on in our life, if it's in times of joy, we give thanks. And Pastor Tom is going to talk more about that in the coming weeks. In times of worry or fear or anxiety, we give those to God. Right? And First Peter says, cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God doesn't intend for you to carry that burden. God doesn't intend for you to continually let that burden weigh on you. God has, has asked you to give that to him. In times of anger, we, we express that to God, understanding that our God hears us. It's this, almost a, no matter what we face, there's a, a response of a, oh God, I need you. Oh, God, I'm, I'm so thankful for what you've done in my life. That no matter what we do in our daily life, prayer is a part of it. We have this dependence on God all the time. And that's a lot, obviously, much easier said than done. But part of praying constantly and getting into this habit of what it looks like to make prayer a part of our lives on a daily basis is understanding that our dependence is real. That we cannot do this on our own. No matter what we face, there's going to be things that we just cannot do on our own, but we have a God who cares deeply about it. I started thinking about this. What does this look like on a practical level? Because I, I'm a hard-headed person. I, I often try to figure things out on my own and, and try to figure out my own plan and have my own ideas before I bring them to God after they fail. What does this look like in my life? And I started thinking about my kiddos. Sydney and Piper, uh, they, they love to talk. I don't know if you've spent much time with them, but they will, they will talk a lot. And they like to tell me all kinds of things. Maybe it's an idea they had for a story they're writing, or maybe it's a picture that they're drawing, or something that happened at school, uh, or, or something that their teacher said, or, or something that a friend said. And, and the, when I get, pick them up from school, or if we're sitting in the living room, or wherever it might be, they will just talk to me. They will tell me all the things that they want to tell me, and they have no fear or hesitation in wanting to do that. 
If they're happy about something, they tell me about it. If they're dreaming about something, something that they want to do, something that they, they, they want to see or something that they want to get from the store, they'll tell me about that. If they're worried about something, if they're scared about something, they will tell me about that. And I love this picture that they have, that they know that they can come to me, they can come to Amber and all of these because we are there to listen to them. Now, am I always, always the perfect listener? No. But they know without a doubt they have a place where they are safe and a place where they can go and be open and be vulnerable without judgment. We too have that place in our Heavenly Father. But I promise you, he is a much better listener than I am. You have a place that is safe. You have a place where you can be vulnerable. You have a place where you can be real. You have a place where, a place where you can express your joy. You can express your anger. You can express the things that you're struggling with. You can open up about those sin struggles. And you have a place where you're not going to be judged because judgment has already come. The price has already been paid through Jesus. You now have a God who cares so deeply about you that he sent his son Jesus so that that relationship would be restored so you guys could be one again. He wants to give that to you. Number two of what it looks like to pray constantly. Praying repeatedly and often. Praying repeatedly and often. Prayer should be a part of our daily lives. Whether that be the quick prayer in the car as you're headed somewhere to school, to work, or that time that you set aside for the sole purpose of being in the Word and prayer. Prayer, pray constantly, is, is building that habit into your life. Building that, that, that dedication, saying this is, this is important enough that I'm going to say yes to this and no to other things. Saying, you know what, no matter if I'm facing something difficult, if I'm going to have a tough conversation, if I'm going to that job interview, whatever it might be, Prayer is important because I'm going to give whatever it is that I'm facing, whatever circumstance that I might be in, whatever, I'd be going, whatever I'm going through, I'm going to give that to God. I think one of the greatest examples that we see in Scripture about this idea of praying repeatedly and often because it is necessary is in Jesus. Pastor Jeremy and I are, are, are working through a book. Um, on, it's called On Being a Pastor. And it's absolutely amazing that the very week that I was preaching on prayer, the entire chapter of the book was on prayer. I mean, that's just, that was a God thing. Every single thing that I've, I read or was almost assigned to read this week was on prayer as if God said, hey, you need a little bit more work in that. Um, there, there was this chapter, and it was looking at the different examples of Jesus and his prayer life. And I'm going to give you a couple of them. Because a lot of times we think about Jesus, we know that he prayed. But man, this was, this was enlightening to me. This idea that Jesus was so fully dependent on his Father that you see that in his prayers. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus prayed before selecting his disciples. It says, During those days he went out to the mountain to pray and spent all night in prayer to God. And when daylight came, he summoned his disciples and he chose 12 of them. Before being arrested, Jesus prayed in John 17, which is an incredible passage of prayer. If you have an opportunity, if you want to dive deeper into this this week, go and read John chapter 17. Because it's Jesus' prayer for himself, prayer for the disciples, and prayer for the, the believers, uh, for all believers. And it's an incredible. I'm going to highlight a couple things from that. Uh, the first section, he prays for himself. He's, he's lifting up a prayer to God, and he says, glorify your son so that your son may glorify you. That's a powerful thing right there. 
He prays for his disciples. He says, Holy Father, protect them by your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. And then he prays for all believers and he says, I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. This is towards the end of Jesus' ministry, and he's talking with his disciples, and he's, he's explaining to them the things that are going to happen, and, and, and they're just not getting all of it. And then his response to that is to pray. His response to that, to go before his Father that he is one with and say, God, I'm giving you my concerns. I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you these people because these people matter, and I'm not only giving you these people the time that I've spent with them, I'm giving you the people that, that I haven't even met yet that I haven't even spoken to yet because they are going to come to know you by their word, and I'm praying for them. And I was sitting there, and I was reading this, and I was thinking, how incredible is it? If you're a follower of Jesus here in in the room this morning, that prayer was intended for you. That somebody told somebody that told somebody that told somebody about your faith, and you were sitting here as a follower of Jesus today, and Jesus prayed for you. That you would be protected from the enemy. That you would come to know him through the disciples. In Luke chapter 9, before asking his disciples who others said that Jesus was, and this is when Peter confessed that he was the Messiah, Jesus was praying. He even says that he was praying right before he asked the question. In Luke 22, he prayed for those closest to him prior to the dangers that Jesus knew they would face. Jesus knew that the, the struggle was going to happen that persecution was going to happen. The disciples were going to face things that they've never faced before. And Jesus knew that the only way that these disciples were going to continue to be effective ministers of the gospel, the only way that God's will would be done was through the power of God himself. Jesus understood that God's will would only be done by the power of God himself and that the power could only be used as he was most close to his father in prayer. Prayer wasn't just a good practice, but a necessity for God's will to be done. Jesus believed that prayer was necessary. And as you, as you think about this, and I, I started asking myself questions, well, if, if, if Jesus was God, fully God, why did he need prayer? But then also we know that Jesus was fully man, that he was tempted in the same ways. And that connection that he had with his father was just a beautiful picture of his fully humanness. His dependence upon the Father as he, was being, as he was being obedient to him on earth. And Jesus believed prayer to be effective. Jesus knew that doing his Father's will would only come from closeness to the Father. And number three, of, of what does it look like to, be, to pray constantly? Is one, not give, or number three, not giving up on prayer. And this is what struck me, because there's definitely been seasons in my life where I say, God, I just don't know if I can do it anymore. God, I've prayed this prayer a thousand times. God, I've asked for this constantly. God, why are you not hearing me? God, why are you not answering me? And this is a powerful thing. How many of you in the room are are Amazon Prime users? Anybody? Almost a a good portion? Yeah. What's, what, how, what's, what's the, uh, the guarantee for Amazon Prime? How many days? You guys shout it out. It was two days, right? Some of them are even one day now. 
And sometimes if, I, if it's a one-day thing and, uh, and it comes in two days, I'm like frustrated. Like, seriously? You said one day and this was two days. This is ridiculous. Now, raise your hand if you can remember when you ordered, it didn't matter what it was, it would take like 14 days. Remember that? Yeah, 14 days for something to arrive. You could drive there and go get it and come back faster than it was shipped to your house, right? But I remember getting things in the mail, and if they came in 12 days, it was like this giant celebration. Like, I can't believe it only took 12 days to get here. We live in a culture where things are instant. We live in a culture where we want things instant. I, you know, I was even talking uh, to, it was probably the church office. I spent a lot of time there. Uh, the other day, I was like, I'm just waiting for the like, drone delivery, where I just get it, and like 10 minutes later, it's there. Because that's, I just, I want things when I want things, right? Unfortunately, as great as Amazon Prime is, and as great as instant gratification is, and as great as all of those quick things, no matter what, it's drive-thrus, whatever it is, as great as those can be, I think many times we let that mentality, mentality or let that expectation come into our prayer life. We expect like Amazon like prayer. Like it's, like it's just like it's answered instantly. And that's just not how God works. And so when we live in a culture where we get everything that we want almost instantaneously, and then we go to God in prayer and he doesn't answer it instantaneously, we instantly have this frustration or this anger that God just doesn't care about me anymore because he didn't answer my prayer that quickly. But I promise you that God cares about you, that he hears your prayers, that he listens and hears your heart because he does that now and he's done that throughout history. In our, in our middle school ministry, we're looking at a uh, curriculum called the Gospel Project. And, and one of the things I love about it is that uh, throughout all of the Old Testament where we're looking at now, it's always pointing back to the God's redemptive story, uh, ultimately pointing to Jesus. That you can see Jesus in the story, and you can see that God is a God who keeps his promises, and God is a God who hears his people. And several weeks ago, we were looking at Exodus chapter 3, where Moses was encountering God in the burning bush. And one of the things stuck out to me as I was thinking about this, this preparing for this sermon. In Exodus chapter 3, God is speaking to Moses, and he, he shows himself through a burning bush. He says, hey, come and take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. And Moses is standing there, probably absolutely amazed of what is happening. And here is the message that God has for Moses. I've observed the misery of my people in Egypt. And I've heard them crying out because of their oppressors. And I know about their sufferings. I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from the land, from that land, to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. God's response to the cries of his people was to rescue them. God's response to their pain and to their sorrow and to the things that they were facing for such a long time was to rescue them and to take them out of the place that was of their slavery, to take them out of the place of their pain, to take them out of the place of their suffering and then bring them into a place that is right and good. As you know, it it was an Amazon Prime delivery. It was quite a while, but God's will was no less his will was still done. He was no less powerful, and he was no less good because of his timing. It was a matter of trust. And then you, and you move forward a, a couple thousand years, um, 
in the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus is teaching on prayer. He says, keep asking, and it will be given to you. Keep searching, and you will find. Keep knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who searches finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What man among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks him for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then who are evil know how to give good, how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus is teaching his hearers, keep going to God. Don't stop praying. Don't stop asking. Don't stop. Don't stop. You, not, you have to trust the fact that you have a God who cares deeply about you. And in so many ways, I think it's such a beautiful picture of a parent and a child, as we see in Scripture. Kids want things now. They don't understand our timing. They don't understand when we say, no, we're not going to do that right now. Or, no, that's not the best plan for you. Or, no, that's not a good idea for you to touch the stove. It's hot, right? God looks at us in the same way. He understands our hearts. He understands what's going on in our desires. He cares deeply about us. And I promise you, the plan that he has for you is much better than anything that you could possibly imagine. Prayer is a practice of trusting God. Prayer is a practice of trusting God, that in your fellowship and your community and your communication with him, you are only building the fact that you are trusting him more, that God is who he says he is and is going to do what he says he is going to do. It's trusting that his love for you is infinitely deep, no matter what. It's trusting that he cares for you, that he desires to give, to give good gifts to you, like Scripture says. Trusting that he is good, that the circumstances you're in, the things that he has allowed in your life are ultimately for his glory. He is good. Trusting that he will keep his promises. And trusting that he hears your prayers. It may not sound like it. It may not feel like it in the moment. But prayer is a matter of trusting God in all things. So why should we pray constantly? I think it's pretty simple. It says even in, uh, in the verse itself, it says, for this is God's will for your life. And at the surface, you're like, okay, what does that mean? But I think the beauty of it is that the, the greatest plan that you could ever imagine for yourself and then take a step further than that, because that's God's plan for your life, is so that you would have a relationship with him, that you would be in fellowship with him, that you would rejoice always because we have reasons to rejoice, that even despite our circumstances, we can rejoice, that you would pray constantly, knowing so much so that your heavenly Father loves you more than you could possibly imagine and desires to take care of you and desires to protect you and desires to give you the things that ultimately are for his will. God's will for your life, meaning that it's a, it's, a, it's a good will for your life. It's better than what you could have come up with your own. It's better than the things that you can try to, to you know, orchestrate in your own life to, to fix your problem or, or to make your life better. God's will for your life is that you would ultimately be moving and making, growing into the person that God created you to be. That process of sanctification, that fancy word of becoming more and more like Jesus is God's will for your life as a believer. 
And if that process involves being in relationship with him, I think it's a good step to put into practice. So go to the one who loves you constantly. He loves you constantly. And he's called us to be in relationship with him constantly. And I, I, I fully aware as, as, we, as, as we look at the scripture and, and, and we walk away from this is that prayer can still be hard. Prayer can still be challenging. Prayer can still be a, a feeling like God doesn't hear us. And I, I think it would be, it would be foolish to, to walk away and not have an opportunity for prayer for you this morning. So I'm going to invite our, our worship team up. And I want to give you some time to prayer, to, to time for prayer. And as I was studying this, I, I stumbled across this just beautiful picture of praying elements of Scripture back to God. And doing it in a way, recognizing that prayer can be difficult that sometimes we just don't have the desire to pray, pray. Sometimes don't have the desire to go before him and to be in relationship with him because maybe you're just hurting too much. And so what is going to happen over the next couple minutes is there's going to be some prayers on the screen. And these are three things to pray when you struggle to pray. And with each prayer, there's going to be some scripture that coordinates with that. And I would just challenge you to take these next few minutes as the music is playing, as as the prayers and the scripture is, is going up on the screen, just to be with God. To take this practice of praying constantly and, and do it right here. And so I'm gonna give you the prayers and I'm gonna pray for our time and let you have some space to be with your Father in heaven. Number one, God, give the desire give me the desire for you. And your word. Number two, open my eyes to see wonderful things in your word. And three, satisfy my heart so that your love overflows to those around me. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you are good and you are faithful and that the, the life that you have designed for each and, every, each and every one of us is a life that is connected to you. So God, I pray for, for those of us who are struggling with our prayer life, struggling to see its importance, struggling to, to make it a priority, struggling to, to even know what to say. God, I pray that you would give us a desire for you and your word. I pray that you would open our eyes to see the wonderful things in the word, the way that you have been faithful over generations and generations, um, the way that you have provided and protected and ultimately saved and redeemed Jesus. And God, I pray that you, above all other things, would satisfy our hearts. Satisfy our hearts in such a way that your love fills us up so incredibly much that it overflows to others. So that when people look at us, they can't help but see you. So God, we give you this time of prayer. I pray that you would soften the hearts of of those in this room who are struggling. Be with us, Lord. In your son's name we pray. Thanks for listening. We hope that what you heard inspires you to take the next step in your faith. If you have questions about this message or would like more information about our church, we invite you to check us out at fbczealand.org or call us at 616-772-2000.
4377.